Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Booyakasha! This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. I'm Cody Tuckett. And I'm still Mike Templeton. And uh, man, like we actually read a pretty good story this week. It was it was wasn't bad. I uh, just, you know, I guess. Uh, well, what story was that? What story was that? I, Spencer? I like we read Michelangelo, the third kind. So it was a mini series that was released in the 2000s during the volume four era of Ninja Turtles. So I didn't realize until we, when we were reading this, that this place takes place. I thought when we were talking about this, I thought this took place before, uh, volume four. No, it takes place after a few issues in. I yeah, thought I explained we, we, that. But yeah. Cause we not. see, we see that in a bit where it's like referencing volume one. So I, I guess I was just kind of confused. Yeah. About like, I guess the timeline placement. Yeah. No, and I, I have it all prepped in my summary to kind of at least explain that so that people know what was going on in at the beginning of volume four. It only takes a couple sentences, so. Yeah, which these, fun. all these issues so far, like these kind of like side stories, they do take place in kind of like a weird, kind of like jammed in kind of thing, it seems like. Yeah, like where they kind of just insert them into an era of time. So these and, and all of like the Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series are that way. So like it could be one day in the future, but often it's just like this is kind of jammed in during this period or, you know, this thing will go back and explain this. I, I think there's even an issue in volume four <laughs> where they reference something that happened that there wasn't even an issue for yet. And they were just like <laughs> to be to be, you know, like a story not yet told, but will be one day in Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That and is actually, really really, I don't know. And, and this it's like, it's cool that they had specifically the volume four one that they're. It's cool that in. they had, like they knew they had their own side story, you know, book where they could tell these kind of stories. So, yeah. And honestly, I, I don't know. Reading this makes me think that, uh, that the IDW series could probably use a tales of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles book at this point. Well, I mean, we yeah. talked about that before. Like, that's really what universe kind of started as, and like yeah, you know, much. Yeah, was, that's... and mm-hmm. then they stopped. Yeah, I liked universe a lot, but but Me universe too. still was like taking place at the same time as as what was going on in the main book. Like maybe you know the timing was a little bit off because like scheduling and things, but for the most part, they were kind of happening concurrently. Uh, right. Timeline wise, 
I'm talking about like a Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book that will can go back in time and fill in any sort of gap they want. I think I guess, for I, IDW, it, it'd be harder because generally their narrative is is much tighter. Um, there, there's not so like a whole lot of too, like yeah. gaps they left where it's like there's yeah. Like, I was gonna I was gonna mention that like there there's because we we see pretty much all of the important stuff you know because they they'd only been mutated for what like a year yeah when they were looking well, for raft yes and that's true but there's also like for example there's a massive time skip between 100 and 101 mm-hmm. that they could fill I mean, only not even isn't it only yeah, like six months massive uh, i mean it's six months but it seems like there's a lot of progress maybe if it was only six months there's a lot of like progress that's happened with the whole mutant town situation by the time that rolls around i feel like anyway i don't know reading this story i'm just like man this is what we needed for i mean this i definitely think that i don't know we, we can get talking a bit more about how this has to do with with modern idw or where idw series is currently at after uh we tell a story the ancient one did tell me a story i think you guys would want to hear about master splinter's master hamato yoshi well let's hear it Alrighty, so my issue will be Michelangelo, the third kind, number one. Uh, this issue was released in September of 2008. Script and pencils are by Jim Lawson. Inks and letters by Eric Talbot. So at this point in Turtles history, uh, the aliens, as in Utram and a bunch of other ones, have publicly landed on Earth and extended a hand of friendship to humanity. And it's caused all sorts of tension. Um, things are super tense in the United States as people aren't sure what to make of this whole situation of the aliens having landed. Many of them are paranoid about aliens taking over. One boy, Barry, has a bunch of very paranoid friends that heighten his paranoia. Despite rumors that the aliens could help cure cancer, which his mother has, uh, he decides that he does not want anything to do with them. Michelangelo leaves the lair uh, after seeing this on TV, that the, the aliens have come here, to witness the aliens addressing the public at Pier 41. His identity is accidentally revealed in the crowd, and so everyone sees that he is not human, and so people assume that he is an alien. He's able to escape up to the stage where the aliens are presenting. Things at the event break down as the crowd rushes the stage. The aliens and Mikey get away. Each part ways for now. Barry goes to visit his mother. She talks positively about the aliens landing and negatively about Barry's group of friends. This causes his paranoia to skyrocket. Maybe she's an alien. He pulls a gun and fires it on her. To be continued. Bum-bum-bum. To be continued right now in Michelangelo the Third Kind at number two. This was released in October 2008. Story and art by Jim Lawson. Inks and letters by Eric Talbot. Cover by Lawson and Steve Levine. So Michelangelo is creeping through an alley when he sees a kid getting beat up by some dudes in alien masks. He intervenes and is able to help the kid before getting hit by a car and a newspaper dispenser, but his toughness causes the alien mask gang to retreat. Mike looks up to see Clagg, an Utram, swoop down in some sort of hover motorcycle and offers him a ride home. On the way, Clagg explains that he and Michelangelo have met before. Clyde was one of the Utram guards on duty when the TMNT were transported home from the Triceraton homeworld back in Volume 1. Clyde sets Mike down on a roof and gives him a small communicator and the two-part ways. 
Back at Barry's mom's place, some cops are going over the evidence of his mom's death. They've ruled out suicide, given she was making a meal for two at the time of death. We learn that Barry's got a bit of a rap sheet already. Detective Clover notices the cat's bowl with the name Roswell on it, and it seems like she's got some reservations about the aliens landing on Earth as well. Mike is on his way home when he sees a flyer for the group Harm, H-A-A-R-M, asking people to report aliens for extermination. He takes down the flyer and crumples it up, then he's attacked by members of Harm and flees down to the sewers. He gets back to the lair to find a welcoming party, his brothers, several Utram, and the alien ambassador. The ambassadors come to thank Michelangelo for helping defend him during the riot. Leo offers the Turtles protection services, which the ambassador refuses, and uh, Leo seems a bit pissed at Mike for going out and being exposed in broad daylight. After the ambassador leaves, the gang is sitting around watching the news, and Leo's, Leo orders them to stay in for the night, given all that's going up um, on the surface. Uh, topside, Detective Clover is investigating the death of an alien in an alley and pulls a bullet out of its carcass. To be continued. And it was continued in issue 3, November 2008. Story in pencils by Jim Lawson, inks and letters by Eric Talbot, cover by Jim Lawson and Steve Levine. We see a news broadcast informing that the National Guard has entered New York to protect the city's bridges and public utility sites. Harm vigilantes are out smashing shop windows and stealing TVs. We see on one of the TVs an electrical substation was bombed with an alien-like figure on the scene just before the blast. The Turtles are in the lair watching this news coverage, very skeptical that it was a real alien who did it. Mikey gets a call from Clagg to meet him at Union Square. Riding around on Clagg's hoverbike thing, he tells Mikey that he's located Harm's headquarters. Their leader is a man called Jingo. Clagg... Clagg means to talk some sense into him and wants Mikey there for protection. They are attacked as soon as they get there. Jingo calls an end to the fight as the National Guard is on their way and they need to escape. As Mikey and Clagg are flying through the air, they see big huge rings in the sky. The aliens announce that the rings are a remnant of a scan they ran to locate and identify weapons of mass destruction. Meanwhile, Central Park has been closed off due to reports of a strange object there. Mikey goes into Central Park to check it out. He accidentally activates the object and a giant robot comes out and attacks Mikey and then the police. But, actually this was some kind of premonition that Mikey had. None of that happened, he's just standing in front of the object. He notices something at the bottom of the object saying, I don't believe it, but Harm arrives on the scene and he has to escape. Jingle climbs on top of the object and gives a speech to his goons. They have captured an alien and mean to hang it. Mikey jumps to the alien's defense. The police come and Harm flees. When asked why he isn't running, Mikey explains that he found a signature at the bottom of the object. Edgar Zeppenhoff, 1997. It's not alien at all, it's a piece of art. The cop says she knows. It was from an art exhibit four nights ago and reported stolen yesterday. It was put there by Harm to cause a panic. The cop thinks Mikey is an unregistered alien and whips out the cuffs, but Mikey pulls a Batman and is already gone. To be concluded. To be concluded in my issue. Issue 4, original release date of December 2008. Uh, Jim Lawson on Story Pencils with Steve Levine helping out on the cover. New York is on edge as the National Guard is actively patrolling the streets. The energy rings above the city have begun to dissipate, but citizens are still hiding in their homes out of fear. Michelangelo is walking the streets alone when a member of harm jumps out to attack him. Mikey doesn't even break his stride and knocks the would-be attacker flat on his back. Mikey's then approached by another man and goes on the defense, but he reveals that he's actually Clagg wearing a skin suit disguise. 
Clegg informs Mikey that Harm has planted multiple bombs around the city and will detonate them if the ambassador doesn't turn themselves over to them. Clegg also mentions that if they try to scan the city for weapons again, they'll detonate the bombs so that they have no choice but to meet their demands. Clegg drops Mikey off where the meeting is going to be taking place and flies off saying he'll catch up later. As Mikey watches the angry crowd with cops lining the sides, he sees the leader of Harm, Jingo, approaching the podium. Jingo delivers a speech that surprises everyone, letting go of his bigoted ways and encouraging peace between humans and aliens. Suddenly, Barry Swan makes his way through the crowd, claiming that Jingo has been corrupted and pulls a gun on him. Mikey quickly flings a shuriken at the gun and knocks it from his hand. With the threat neutralized, Jingo continues his speech of peace and new beginnings, climaxing with a handshake with the ambassador. Detective Clover arrests Barry before letting Mikey go. As Mikey runs through the forest, he finds Clagg's hovercraft and flies it to the moon island. As he starts to walk away, he hears a thumping noise in the rear compartment, only to find a gagged and bound Jingo. Clagg appears and explains that he had recorded Jingo's image to make a skin suit of the harm leader and impersonate him because it was the only way that they could achieve the peace that they sought. He tells Mikey that they'll give Jingo a memory wipe, and when Mikey points out that he'll still be a bigot after the memory wipe, Clegg re- replies that it would be a mistake to underestimate mankind's ability for change. There's also a bonus comic at the end, Life on Earth. A pair of Utrams bring their Moon Island transport in for landing in Manhattan. One of the Utrams issues a last-minute warning to a small tentacled alien, telling him t- to constantly be aware of the instructions he received when he signed up for this day trip. He warns the alien that many humans will still possess a deep fear of them and must avoid any contact. As the alien leaves the transport, he is met by a group of protesters who yell at him to go home, while others yell at him to die. The transport takes off and the alien continues into the city. He's almost run over by a taxi and the driver shouts at him. Over on the sidewalk, he encounters a man talking on his cell phone. The man doesn't even look at the alien as he puts out his cigarette in the little guy's head. The alien watches a man walk away and then a dog comes up to sniff at him. The dog's owner just stands there as the dog takes a leak on the alien. When they leave, two women walk up to the alien, and one of them flashes him. Both women walk away laughing, and then a couple spots the alien. The man asks the woman to take their picture. He poses with the alien while she does so, and the interaction is being watched by a street musician in a cowboy hat who is carrying a guitar. The musician quickly chases the alien away, telling him that it's his quarter, and the alien needs to move along. Continuing to walk along, the alien spots a homeless man sitting against a wall. The alien walks up to him and the homeless man looks directly at him, eyes flashing with understanding. The end. Riveting. I felt bad for that little robot alien guy. Yeah. Just wanted to give him a little hug. (laughs) Alright, let's talk more about this stuff then in the second time around. Hey, uh, nice junk. So, yeah, like I said before, in volume four, aliens publicly land on earth and so the turtles end up being able to walk around on earth as everyone just assumes that they're aliens and they're not like as weird anymore you know as you can also see in the story there's still people that i don't know don't treat aliens fairly uh you know and and definitely are bigoted towards them and so the turtles do receive some of that but for the most part they're able to walk around it is a good way to handle like topside turtles yeah well, like probably the most thing. natural way you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think this is definitely totally what Mutant Town was going for in IDW, right? Like, this is what they were going for, for having the Turtles 
being out on the streets. Um, but like just in this like mini series alone, I just feel like it was executed so much better. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like Mutant Town was originally supposed to be like kind of like a commentary on apartheid, but uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, so I mean, kind of volume four is I don't know is a more organic way to to show, or at least the, especially in this story, um, and, and like I guess little bits of volume four will like, you know talk about this not as much, hmm. um, but this this story is very focused on it. Is just kind of the the fear we have of things that are different from us. Um, and Which, to be fair, if you were walking to, on the street and there was an alien, that would be freaking terrifying. <laughs> it, it would probably be kind of, it would be, it would be a big deal and really hard to adjust to. Uh, you know, I do think there would be riots and things like that in, in the street. Um, like I said, they still have the chance to maybe do that now that like the wall is down for Mutant Town, and maybe mutants are gonna—I mean, mutants are kind of out free in New York. I feel like they should have maybe had more writing from humans and and protesting from them, and, and maybe a story kind of like this one. Yeah, uh, I think like the integrating where it goes wrong, not to get derailed, but like when you make it like a town, and then it's like it also has to be a functioning town. That's where for me it's like okay now you have like a aardvark as the chief of police like what are we doing here you know like, <laughs> well, it's also, it's a little different too because like these were all humans whereas like they're not aliens you know they're just people that have been yeah against their will transformed so. it's just like for me like if I turn into kangaroo tomorrow I'm not going to my job like right. <laughs> <laughs> the last is that, thing yeah. is that uh that line from uh the emperor's group uh, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home early? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm not working a full shift after I've been mutated. Yeah. <laughs> I really wouldn't work a full shift as a human. If I'm like half salamander, man, there's no goddamn way I'm going in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. This story just does such a great job of showing. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess I'm almost like getting an I love being a turtle here, but I don't know. I definitely it's interesting because like IDW right now is going for like this with volume four with mixed with, uh, you know, the, the, the future in TMNT adventures, the Archie books. And it's kind of combining those two together, you know, and there, there's a lot of good ideas and things in there, but I just like reading this, it was like, man, this is what they were going for, you know, and kind of, and kind of seeing that, but I, I think this story really, really executed it well. And this story happens during a time jump in Volume Four, right? Isn't there like yeah. a six-month gap after the aliens land? Yeah, they they also have it. Yeah, that that same gap in in Volume Four, and so this fills it in. And I have to say that reading Volume Four, um, well, back when I read it, it did feel like the time jump was quite a bit, and so go, being able to read this and have that filled in and see, like you know, riots and things like that happening instead of just the bigotry kind of thing, uh, made it, made it even better. You know, it was definitely something that made it a little more rich, which is why I think that like, I don't know, the IDW series maybe could benefit from like a Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. That's, you know, like Turtles universe, but one that can go back in time in certain points, anywhere where there's maybe a gap and be able to fill some things in. As long as the like, story is interesting enough. 
I don't know. Like, I mean, we, we were talking about it earlier, which is later if you're listening to this episode, cause it's in the bonus content, but like the IDW comics, like they're so tightly packed. Like, I don't know where you would fit a time of tales of the TMNT. Like, unless it was specifically about people other than just the turtles. Yeah. yeah or like very, like, this is what happened one day. Like those yeah. kind of stories. Cause otherwise like, yeah, which, it's like so, so tight. There's not like a ton of room unless it just gets, which was some of the stuff that like universe already kind of did with like Mikey and the worm story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And so you, universe is kind of that already. Um, but I do think that you could, but like that, that's all I'm looking for. Like a tale series, for example, is just like a single, a single day, single, mm. just tiny adventure that just kind of happened. At some point, you know, you can say it happened anywhere in the timeline and just say it fits in wherever you want, you know. So yeah. if the turtles are still a secret and there's no mutant town, you could have that if you want it in the transition period when mutant town is first getting walled up. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of a lot of things that you could you could do there if you wanted to, you know, that could be interesting. So uh, you know, we're all just sitting there thinking about it. I was just thinking of Spencer <laughs> writing like a Tales of the T fanfic. <laughs> Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> I'm curious what that would be like too. I'm also curious as to what that would be like. <laughs> and then you could use it to make a campaign for us to play next year. There you go. Look at that. Uh let's see. There's a little inaccuracy with Clagg because he mentions having met Michelangelo when he comes back from the Triceraton homeworld and the editor's note says it's it's an issue four of volume one, but that's actually an issue seven. Those you keeping track at home. Yeah. Oh, man. I was so excited for that blunder. That you could get in, like, the back of the comic. (laughs) What's that? You could, like, write them an angry letter that they'd put in the back of the comic. Right, I'm sure Peter Laird would love that. (laughs) (laughs) I actually took place in issue seven. Um, Let's see. Raph also says he hates robots, which is nothing new. Um, He said that robots make his skin crawl back in volume one, issue 13. Leo has also said the same thing in Volume 1, Issue 2, and Volume 3, Issue 22. And one of the soldiers chasing the Fugitoid in the Fugitoid one-shot has also said that. So someone at Mirage really doesn't like robots. What a anti Well, it's definitely not Peter Laird, because we know Peter Laird loves robots. Yeah. I think the character hates robots, but but the people who are actually working on the comics love them and love drawing them. You know, I think, I think it's, I think they found the the line funny and then yeah. it became a character trait. <laughs> I also yeah, like that's that a, Michelangelo's yeah. get up that he's wearing is basically the same thing that he wore in the Michelangelo number one, one shot. And also from tales volume two, number nine, just like the heavy coat with the, the ball cap and scarf. Wildly consistent. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. as we know from several Marvel MCU films, uh, the ball cap is the ultimate disguise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you're uh, so so lately, I've been reading like Golden Age Liberty Bell comics, and all she does is she has her hair like always up when she's when she's Libby Lawrence, but whenever she like becomes Liberty Bell, she puts her hair down and it kind of uh, yeah, and and then she's disguised now. <laughs> no, no, uh... she is when she has her hair down. <laughs> Like the Clark Kent wearing glasses, not wearing glasses thing was ridiculous. But if you ever look at like Zooey Deschanel without bangs, she looks like a totally different person. So I, I totally buy that that could work. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for like, you know, it's like 
what is that when they say like if you the best way to sneak into somewhere is just like act like you belong there or whatever mm-hmm. there is something to be said for that but when you're working with like clark kent all the day and you're a reporter and if you don't know he's superman like what kind of news organization do you really have? <laughs> I, mean, I mean realistically even if someone has a tiny mask on and then they start like talking and you hear their voice and it's not changed at all like you're you're gonna recognize them you know <laughs> wasn't that the green lantern thing, movie I... they're like they're like yeah well i could still you you thought i didn't know who you were because i can't see your cheekbones yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any right, other, anything uh... else for a second time around was i was i was thinking about the the new superman cartoon that was on max over the summer and my wife really was like, good. it was really good. Like, God, it's it's probably one of my favorite Superman incarnations now. Yeah, and it was, fun. she hated, she hated like, you know, cause he looks exactly the same. Like his hair is really the only thing that's different. Um, but it's like, he carries himself so differently. Cause it's not just like the physical or it's not just his physical looks, but it's the physicality. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's hunched over a little bit more like, he 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 doesn't have like the same confidence in his voice that he does as superman yeah like very christopher reeves that way yeah and christopher reeve uh christopher reeves is uh christopher reeve is the best like example of that of that like you know he played two different characters you know and then it's the same thing with um kevin conroy when he played when he played batman like yeah, it would, you know, his Bruce Wayne was very different than his Batman voice. And that was like one of the first times an actor did that. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I just, this a tangent I had. Yeah, no, I, I do like that. Uh, cause th- that is another thing. Yeah. Like I said, that people recognize as your voice. And so if you, if you carry yourself differently, I, you know, it could probably, you know, maybe it could cause people to doubt it. Maybe, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just kind of accept it as a trope of, of superhero stories and, it just go for it. But yeah, I really wish the DC would make a collection of golden age Liberty bell stories. Cause, cause they're actually pretty fun. All right. So is that, uh, that's it. And then for the second time around. Oh, I've got, yeah. Like I didn't catch a whole lot of other thing. I mean, I, other than like the only thing I, <laughs> I, I kind of thought it was funny. It's not really a, uh, I love being a turtle, but it was like, on one page, it was like, see issue one of volume four. And then the next page was see issue or see volume one issue four. Yeah, I noticed that that the, I, in my brain, it was like, wait, what? Did you, yeah, you in my brain, I was like, oh, they just referenced the same issue twice. And then I was like, oh, no, that was funny. Yeah. That was good. All right, let's talk about anchovies then. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. So up until Mike said that that little tiny mini short story at the end, up until Mike said that that like flash in the eye of the homeless man was like understanding and like him relating to that that little alien. I had no idea what was going on and was <laughs> yeah. waiting for the story to like be continued elsewhere. Like maybe this little alien hypnotized or possessed the homeless man. 
So yeah, that's I, what I, I thought he like stole his brain or something. Yeah. So I told I told Cody before you guys jumped on that like so, so the the recap I read was from uh, Turtlepedia, um, and I read that specifically because like I had no idea how to summarize that, and so like I read theirs and I was like maybe there's something in here that I'm missing that like somebody else saw, like. And it was only four paragraphs, so like it, it was an easy kind of read. And yeah, like I guess that was supposed to be him understanding because like the last panel goes into like this wide-eyed view of the universe. And I'm like, is he like becoming one with them? Like what like is he yeah. beyond all understanding? Has kind this of thing? alien shared like some sort of revelation with him? Yeah. And he's just like, I see it all now. And it's like you I know? didn't get I didn't get that like the alien was like, oh, I'm homeless too, kind of thing. Like, especially because like the alien is there on like a day pass, like he's a tourist. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I I felt that was kind of weak and weird. Like the story was fun up until like the end, and I was just like, Well, I, th- I feel like I'm missing something. Now yeah, that now I that thought I it was sorry, I kind of thought it was supposed to be the that alien that they find at the end of issue two, because they mentioned that like it sees itself through other people. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I didn't quite understand how that meant that it made this guy see the entire universe. Yeah. Like, so. I, I don't think visually it connected with what they described. Yeah. Which, so, honestly, though, the theme there that, like, you know, we treat homeless people, you know, like second-class citizens, you know, like like everyone was treating this alien. Uh you know, like, like that is that is an interesting theme, and and like I I like that idea, but their way of telling it was not very effective. Yeah, kind of felt like they just had like six pages left over, and we're like, let's just you know, no words, let's just see what we can do. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For me, I I kind of struggled with like I didn't know what the story was trying to tell necessarily because like through the entire thing, I was like, maybe this is like they're going to reveal like how the turtles kind of came out to the public. But that wasn't really what they were doing. And there was this whole, like, this kid murdering his mom, and, like, that doesn't really go anywhere either. I, I don't know. I kind of struggled to, like, figure out why this story existed, I guess. but Yeah, it was just, just kind of weird. I'm sure, uh, like, if I had read Volume 4, like, this would slot very, you know, yeah, precisely between two issues and make a whole lot of sense. But I maybe yeah, without that like, context, you know. To me, it's just, like, world-building yeah yeah well because that's, that's which is that's funny because we just said we wanted more of that but it's like <laughs> this didn't this didn't feel like it was the world building we were looking for well for we're, me, we're like, also not to that world yet right we're not it, in volume four yet so maybe that's yeah. part of it yeah to me they, this is like the natural kind of world building and i say this a lot to everyone all the time um but like it's like the Stephen King ish or kind of majora's mask kind of thing where it's like you you tell a story that's like so small that it in a weird way it like for me it fleshes out the bigger picture like you get a real like feel for the city like it's just it's filled with all these you know racists and mm. lunatics and that's like the the world that Mikey is operating in mm. so that's how the world building works for me but, yeah no i i actually i was actually on the on the enjoyment end of it i really liked it but uh i actually didn't really have anything to, to say I mean, I mean think thinking about it now I'm gonna move it to my uh I love being a turtle but originally because I, I didn't like the Barry Swan 
subplot. Yeah, because like that, at the that beginning, part is a little bit extra because it takes forever for it to tie back into it after. Well, the, yeah. well, I, I mean, I, because it, it, the whole like story only takes place over what like a day or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not that long. Um, but the. I, I guess I didn't like his heel turn because it felt like he was sympathetic towards the aliens and Jingo was like, you're stupid. And then mm-hmm. and then I guess Barry was like, I am stupid. And then he saw his <laughs> mom as like the it, like he saw his mom as an alien and then killed her. And it's like that kind of came out of nowhere. And then what I wish would have happened would have been like, OK, well, you've established that now he's seeing people as the aliens and killing them like, you know, it, is he going to be killing more people? And it's like, he, he didn't really, he didn't really do that. He just killed his mom. And then he, you know, doesn't show up until the last issue again. Well, yeah. When he gets, when he gets arrested. So yeah. Like, especially since they Which, ended the last issue, on, the first issue on that, it made it feel like it was a whole lot more important. Yeah. And, and yeah. then especially, and then in the, at the end of the second issue, when they find like the bullet in the alien, Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but then it's like, they never, they never make that connection back to Barry for the second killing. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it, so, I mean, granted, like it feels like alien sent like alien hatred is, you know, at an all time high. And I get that. That's what they were building towards. But it's like, you, you've already established that you've got this like killer character in Barry. And it's like, he, kills his mom and then he and then he doesn't show up again until the last issue and then it's like okay well what did he do time yeah no that that part was like probably the the weak part of the story yeah but i mean i'll get into it in the next in the next segment but like i like the i like the story of barry i just don't like how it was executed yeah, no, it definitely just that little bit where it feels like he's sympathetic towards the aliens. And then the guy's like, you can't trust him. And then we just all of a sudden he gets really defensive with his mom and shoots her. Uh, yeah, so I thought his mom was actually an alien, too. Like, I, I did, I too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. She got the same. Yeah, look, look, and everything. Yeah. That would have been a better twist. Like cool. than just him hallucinating. I don't think it would have been a better twist, but I don't know. Maybe they could have had it be that's something that maybe would have it would be easy to tell like animated because you could like add like a shimmer effect or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's like that and the the statue coming to life where it was like if this was in color, they could like grayscale it or something, you know, but it's it's just black and white, so you lose some which, ability to do things like that. So which also um you know that's that's kind of a weakness of Jim Lawson's art too, because it's very flat. Mm-hmm. So you can't really tell when something's supposed to be kind of a different sequence, which that might be what he was going for yeah, back then. Yeah. But it, but but that, I think that kind of feeds into it. Yeah, know. it's like it needs tones and then not tones or not tones and then tones. But it's just it's more like coloring book art, where it's just black or white. Yeah, I don't know, I got, yeah. I'm I'm down for like trippy dream sequence stuff. So like especially like the the later one Keith is talking about was fine with me because then it kind of cuts back and I don't know. I guess I'm used to that because like Hellboy has a lot of that and uh, so. But I mean Hellboy it, at least is in color, right? 
it is in color, but it's not like they change the colors for when the dream sequence kind of stuff happens. It, mm. Or, you know, Grant Morrison will kind of be the same way with, with some of their books. Um, it depends. I have a note here, but I don't recall. Are there still bombs in the city? Because didn't Harm plant a bunch of bombs or something? Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't think it's And it's like, like, does, like does Harm disband now that Jingo I think is... since they... I don't think so. I definitely. I took it as they like just kind of like quelled it temporarily. Yeah, but I think they like at least kind of quelled it for now because later on you will see hate groups in Volume Four still existing. Yeah, they also mentioned the. They also mentioned the Manhattan Militia, which I know is at least in other tales issues. I haven't heard of harm before. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um, you guys watched Gargoyles, right? Bits and pieces when I was, yeah, long long time ago. So I, uh, okay. So spoiler for the end of. We gotta start uh, a drinking game every time Mike talks about (laughs) rise or gargoyles or Sonic. Well, because it's because it's very it's very apt. You know, like it's 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 connected. It's relevant. It's relevant. Like yeah, I'm not going off on a tangent here, even though I just went off on a tangent. I mean, you know, we right. went off on a, a DC tangent. We can do we this. We did. We did. I, I do it all the time. It's okay. So yeah. Gargoyle. So at the end of season two of Gargoyles, there's there's a very similar uh, group called the uh, Quarrymen, who is it, like they're a hate group and like they even wear hoods. So it's like, you know, they're supposed to be the bad guys. Oh. Um, <laughs> and they're built out of the Gargoyles going public. And. I I guess that might be what the Manhattan militia is closer to than maybe harm is. I think I think it's just funny that like a hate group gave itself like an acronym rather than like because most hate groups, you know, in the real world nowadays, like they give themselves like actual like names, not acronyms. Yeah, yeah by the way, humans against alien resistance movement is what harm stands for. Yeah. Did we say that? I don't think we said that earlier. I think so. I hate it. Which like that like giving giving a an acronym is like name is that's a, that's a fun comic book thing like yeah like crap back like in crap earlier back in Mar- <laughs> Mirage yeah, I'll never I, I, I like I reference crap all the time like it's <laughs> I definitely think it's Mirage's way of uh, letting you know what the group's true uh, I don't know true goal is I guess mm. or or what they really are uh, kind of thing that the the yeah. writer giving you a wink. Um, but yeah. well, because I mean, because ultimately, like these these books are still for you know young readers, like not not children, but you know, like teenagers, like yeah, you know, and up. So you got you you kind of have to make some of the messages a little more overt. But yeah, yeah. So we're good to talk about the things we like now, then. For me, I had one last oh. anchovy, which it's yeah. kind of a smaller one. But in stories like this, where like only one turtle is involved, it always begs the question: like, why are the other turtles like so inactive? And they kind of explain it in this one, where like Leo's like, "Let's all stay inside," and Mikey's the only one who's like, "Nah." But it's also like that's not very turtley to just stay inside during like a crazy alien thing and mobs and whatnot. Well, like it makes sense for Mirage because like Mirage is so very different. Like plus like the turtles are already so much older now. So like 
they're yeah, used they to being more independent. More cautious. Because like, like this takes place in, in volume four, so they're like, you know, these are all 30-year-old turtles. <laughs> so like, it, just, it just makes sense for me for like, you know, I, I mean, I grew up with my sisters all the time. I don't hang out with them anymore. Like, I mean, I talk to them, but, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you don't live with them, though. Well, that too, but it's like... Yeah. You don't do as much my circumstances are a little bit different. I'm not a mutant turtle hiding from society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But so that's the thing is in Mirage, like Michelangelo is the one that wants to be out amongst the people. They, they definitely don't see themselves as some sort of like guardians or protectors of the world or, or anyone else. Um, and so like Michelangelo is the only one that like feels like a need to do anything related to that kind of thing. Uh, you know, he's the one that saves the the Christmas aliens, you know, for the kids. And and so it's kind of like the difference in their their personalities. So like it makes sense in the Mirage verse for Michelangelo to be the one that's like, no, I, I want to go out there and be a part of and be a part of this, be a part of the world, do this stuff while the other ones are more content to be below ground. All right. Are we ready for what we loved about this miniseries? Yeah. Oh, I love being a turtle. I guess I guess continuing on the fact that Michelangelo was, you know, up above the ground out in the world, it's cool to see him like actually getting to walk on the street, but also really sad because like you get to see that he finally gets to be out on the streets and walking amongst people and he's not accepted at all. He's also uh, always you know, kind of thing. George Michael sad walking all the time. Yeah. I like that scene, yeah, because he's like he's sad walking into his like one shotting guys as they run up to him. It's like yeah, it's really sad, kind of. You know, this is he's finally living his dream. He's still got a got a beat up uh just regular schmoes. Yeah. I really liked uh I think it's issue three that there's like a there's a window display and there's an iPod for sale. It's like holds ten hours of music, and it's like that's just nice and quaint. Yeah. Yeah, Puts it in a time period, doesn't it? <laughs> it it's weird to like, because like, I don't know how you guys view all these issues, but for me, like, they lodge in my brain like, oh, these are old issues, and it, it doesn't register in my brain that like, this was, what, 2008? And it's like mm-hmm. that. You you were very conscious during those times, so it's, it's not that old. Yeah. But yeah. then when it does reference something like, you know, the Apple iPod, and you're like, oh my god, like, I am old. Like, the guy's... <laughs> That's 15 years ago. It comes guys, crashing down on you. I had that <laughs> yeah. iPod. I, I'm sure I did too. Yeah, it, you, was it, there was a time where you would load songs onto your iPod and like you'd go off to work and if you didn't load the songs you liked, that's it. There's no like, you're not connecting that baby to the internet and getting new songs live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. No, they still make like, iPods or is that a thing of the past? Uh... I, I think, think they do, but they're like they're slowing down production or something. Like it's the iPod Touch now. Yeah, it's like the iPod Touch, and it's more kind of like like for the apps and games and stuff. Yeah, it's like I it's have, basically a mini iPad now. I remember having games on my Nano, my iPod Nano. I had Sonic on there that I that I'd play, and, and a few other things. Like you could Was play one with of the, the best Google. Sonic games ever. Oh, definitely, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I looked it up. Um, they stopped the iPod product line May tenth, twenty twenty two. Okay, I was going to say it was pretty recent. Ago. Wow. But yeah, the guys at Mirage loved Apple, especially back during this period. Uh, you know, you can see the the iPod in the background, but also 
when we read volume four, well, I guess we'll get to more of it, but like Peter Laird just randomly brings up about like, well, like at one point, some character, I think it's Donatello brings up all the stuff they're able to do with the computer because it's a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, this just felt like a tangent. You went off in your, your comic book because you were super excited about what Macs can do. I just use a Mac at work. I have both a Mac and a PC for work and the Mac is far inferior in my opinion. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I just like to know where my files are. I don't know what, why yeah. Apple won't let me do that. You know? <laughs> I'm definitely very used to, to Microsoft. That's how I feel about people who like iPhones. Like the control that you have in an Android phone is just. Yeah. I don't know how you would ever give that up. Yeah. But uh, back to the. Some other things that uh, I loved is uh, at one point when the turtles come to, well, not the turtles, when the aliens come to visit the turtles, uh, my Leonardo offers their services as ninja to them, which I, I, don't, I just really like that. Like thinking about it, like, oh yeah, the turtles are ninja. Like they're kind of like their own clan. I, I just want to see stories where people like hire the turtles to do things for them. Like, 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 it was like, fun. finally, we can make money, like legitimate yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> being bodyguards, <laughs> you know, being doing ninja stuff. Uh, it, it's really cool. Yeah. So the ambassador is not a neutron, right? No, he's no. something else. Okay. It's a, it's a different alien. Bug man. Guy. I, was, I was confused because he's, he seems to be like surrounded by Utrom. So I, I thought maybe he was related somehow, but okay. he's probably Lord Dreg's son or something cool right. like that. His name the is Ambassador Cease Monzierte. Okay. And uh, according to Turtlepedia, his species is alien. <laughs> ah, yes. Story checks out. The, the biggest thing that I loved about this story, though, overall, is that, uh, and I kind of already talked about this earlier, I kind of already stepped on on this, but it does a good job of covering the themes of like how humans feel threatened by things that are different and that we don't understand. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's funny. Cause like it, 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 it has a rel- lot of relevancy to themes today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you could write this exact comic today. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even to yeah. the point where they're like, there's, there's one port where they're like complaining about like, you know, like you're complaining about like how people are today and they're like, oh, you know, everyone's all lame and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, which that, is funny because people would complain that this all. book is too political. Right. You're probably not wrong, especially if it was written by by someone else. But while wow, uh, no, I, no, I say I say this book reprinted today anymore. <laughs> I say this book reprinted today exactly as is would be deemed too political. Yeah. No, and I tend to agree with that, but it would definitely be more pointed out if it was. Oh, I mean, yeah, if it was a woman writer, obviously yeah. it would yeah, like be. It would be. It would automatically target. get hate, but yeah, they they would immediately start pulling it apart and being. Anyway. People forget how woke Mirage TMNT was. Uh, they definitely very early on. Peter Lair definitely very early on was paying attention to far-right like movements and militias and things like that like oh way yeah back, way, oh, with yeah. crap you know we had that yeah um and and you know once again it comes up in in this story as well as it will in volume four uh just kind of you know these these hate groups these 
people who are extra paranoid and, and fear things that are different so much that they get into these like heightened set, like they feel like they're being threatened and that this thing is going to take over them when in reality they're just other beings that are you know okay with, with helping people and they're not as as big a threat as they believe them to be you know they're just here to be accepted and extending a hand of friendship and and not trying to like take over their lives or or make them any different than they were before i think jim lawson's kind of an underrated storyteller too like he, do. he, he doesn't write a ton of issues but when he does they're usually pretty pretty on point yeah like i was thinking like it it's it's just wild how like Jim Lawson really is responsible for the majority of Mirage TMNT. His, yeah, his art is the, uh, I mean, I would, I would venture to say he's kind of the Jack Kirby of Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Like he's just drawn all of it. He's been around for so long. I mean, he, he's drawn a lot of it, like for sure. Um, but Kevin Eastman and Peter Lair did do a lot of the writing and a lot of the legwork for, especially those first 15 or so issues. Uh, that was that was all them. Nobody remembers those two. <laughs> I mean, like, like is is he underrated? Or, is is this Jim Lawson territory? We're, 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 I'm just kidding. Like, is is his contribution not noted as much as it should be? Absolutely. Like, I I think that he is not as recognized as Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird when he did contribute a lot. Yeah, but I do think that a lot of the stuff was still done by by them. The 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 heavy the heavy groundwork but he is a great storyteller like i said this is this one is probably my favorite story so far out of these these turtles miniseries that we've read Dantel the brain thief was pretty good but i think this one beats it for me oh my god yeah, I, this one I is... totally forgot about bad moon rising yeah this is easily way better than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i liked bad moon rising it was just kind of like not as together like and as like solid as a narrative as this set was. Yeah. To, to me, this is the story for the turtles entering the world. Like this one makes it feel earned. Like, you know, they can just kind of emerge and start kind of just walking out in the streets. Um, and I don't know, it, it's pretty emo, you know, if you think about it, cause like at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, you know, like they're, they're not accepted, you know, they're, they're out, they're able to walk out on the streets, uh, you know, they don't have to really hide themselves anymore. They don't have to worry about something like the government coming after them. But they they still aren't really actually accepted by society and they have to yeah. deal with discrimination and things like that. Well said. You know, it's one of those things where like the world doesn't just suddenly accept new things or, or people all at once, sadly. You know, like, uh, you know, as nice as that would be, it doesn't just immediately take them into their arms and, or, or just ignore them and just say, yeah, you do you, I'll do me. Uh, you know, it's slow acceptance uh, that eventually settles in. I already said it was, you, you just did well said. You didn't have to double down, Spencer. Uh, I know. I just <laughs> I felt like I could have, you, you said well said, but yeah, I, I was saying like you, I you, uh, you did a good job. You landed it perfectly. You stuck the landing. I feel, I feel like I could have just pontificated. Now, now you're just dancing in the end zone, man. <laughs> How do y'all think it, humanity would react to aliens in this? Honestly, in this scenario? it would not surprise me. I mean, definitely, I think there would be riots. Uh, personally, I honestly think that this story isn't that far off from what it would be like. Yeah, I, I mean, there are still flat earthers, so 
Yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt that there would be a whole movement of like the government's faking it or some bull crap. That yeah. would be pretty wild to see. I would, how would, you know how like I was, I was realizing the other day, like I keep hearing about cults and it's like, why do cults always like, it's always like a spaceship is going to come back, you know? So it's like, what do they do when a spaceship does land and it's not their cult leader? Yeah. What do they do? <laughs> That's a anyway, good question. I don't know. That's just that's just my my thought. There's a. I was gonna go. I off think it's tangent, called. I've already had my tangent for the episode, so. Yeah, I think it's called. I got out. It's a podcast about a woman who was in a cult and and managed to isn't leave the, it. Isn't that the Leah Romani one from? Scientology? No, this wasn't. This wasn't Leah Romani. This was someone else. Hmm. But probably pretty similar. I would think it's another religious cult. I got the hell out. There we go. Gotcha. Uh, so is that that everything? Uh, yeah. I think like, that, uh... this is a pretty good, pretty good little mini series. Uh, like you said, definitely the best one out of the three. Like Brain Thief is, Brain Thief was cool and creepy, but this one actually had like a pretty decent story to it. Yeah, it was just just meaty enough. It doesn't like get too nutso. It like contains itself to where it needs to. Well done. Good on you, Jim. All right, Keith, take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel Six. So, uh, Cody, do you want to do the toy news or? Yeah, I mean, I could take it. Um, we have the Usagi Yojimbo Year of the Rabbit 4-pack has gone up for pre-order. Um, and NECA did clarify today that it is a NECA online exclusive. Um, there was some probably miscommunication earlier, if you'd be able to get it more broadly. But they made it very clear it's just online exclusive, that 4-pack. Um, what is it? There's like the comic Yojimbo... So there's Samurai. two comic book there's two comic book Usagi Ojimbos uh like based off of his appearance in like the modern comics and the Fantagraphic comics. There's also a Samurai Usagi and uh a more accurate Space Usagi, which is different than the Space Adventures Usagi uh that NECA released as part of the TMNT line. Uh this year of the Rabbit 4 pack is specifically uh just Usagi Yojimbo brand. So like we've talked about before how NECA's license with Stan Sakai includes his TMNT appearances and Stan Sakai versions of Usagi. So this is going to fall into that ladder. Um, so as Cody said, yeah, this was originally mentioned that it would be available as a wider release. Uh, however, NECA clarified this morning that that is not the case. This is a NECA store exclusive, limited quantities available. So if you're listening to this, uh, I think earlier today somebody looked at it and there was about 500 left on the website. So if you're on the fence about it, hopefully there's still some available by the time you listen to this episode. Um, because they will, they might be gone by then. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also that went up for uh pre-order on NECA's website were the actual first to market figures. Uh, which are all part of the last Ronin toy line. So we have the first to fall Raphael, which is the variant, the bloody variant of uh, flashback Raph that we talked about a couple months ago. 
Um, so this finally got its full reveal. Uh, it's essentially the same figure as the flashback Raph, uh, just a little bloodier with a couple more holes and arrows to put in those holes. Um, so cool. Uh, also we have flashback Leonardo and flashback splinter, uh, Gary Dolan over in the uh, TMNT Party Wagon Facebook group uh, has fantastic pictures of Raph uh, that he was able to finally post. Uh, That is those for months. (laughs) Yeah, he's been holding on those for a while. Uh, Those. uh, From what I've heard from people who have those figures already, these are probably the best NECA TMNT figures that they have ever made across all the lines. Yeah, I believe so it. I'm I'm thoroughly excited. My flashback Raph and Karai are set to arrive next week, I believe. Um, or in a week and a half. So those ones are soon. Uh so all four of these, the Year of the Rabbit four pack, um at first of all, Raphael, Leonardo, and Splinter. These are all expected to ship directly from NECA if you pre-order them there, uh, March 2024. Uh, but again, you don't have to get the the Ronin figures. Those are not exclusive to NECA. Just the Usagi Year of the Rabbit 4-pack. Yeah, and then the new greatest NECA figure ever made um, also went up for pre-order later that same Turtle Tuesday. Leonardo as the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, this one, it, it went up bunch of different places like uh, big bad toy store entertainment earth those folks i got it from the last toy store and they actually sent the shipping notification tonight so looks like these babies are ready to go universal monsters my favorite line that yeah the turtles universal monsters line is pretty cool i'm not too thrilled that they went back to doing the turtles as monsters again i mean that's kind of what the old playmates line did but I don't know. I'm okay with I, I I might swap out Hunchback Leo for Creature Leo. But it I think it's interesting to see like once they do once they finish off this round of turtles, what other figures they go into. Because it, yeah. it seems like they want this line to be like an ongoing line, which I'm totally here for. So Which is surprising that they didn't go to like Shredder as Dracula, you know, because we don't have a Dracula yet. Yeah, and the Splinter Box does, you know, explicitly spell out, you know, that he hunts Dracula and whatnot. Yeah. And I, and Shredder, he slays Shredder or whatever. So I, I would bet there is a Dracula Shredder coming at some point, but maybe they're saving it for like a, the crowning of, of Wave 2 or something. Maybe. They could be, but I also think that they have to get the likeness rights for, because these characters are based around the 1990 movie like their figures are um because these are technically part of the movie toy line according to NECA I mean people say that I mean in well, terms I mean, of like they the, say the, that, I mean no that, they say I'm it just based saying, like, on the checklist that NECA provides like these are grouped with those yeah I'm just I just don't necessarily think they need like a likeness for it yeah they I mean these like, don't they did, have they, any like they, they, they also did, have, they already have the Matsuyoshi Urokusaki two pack, so they might already have the license or the likeness, right? Yeah, you're, you're probably because like wrong the Casey that. isn't based on Elias Cotillas, the yeah, um, Phantom Casey. April, of course, is because they you know they like Judith Hogue and they work with her. Yeah, uh, I think they could just do a shredder based on, yeah, they just they don't they just don't have to let you remove his mask and boom, no likeness rights. Yeah, yeah, or uh, they just make him. 
a shredder dude. Like it's not. Yeah. It just really depends on, I guess, universals approval because like you're not only dealing with Viacom and their approval for turtles, but you also have to deal with universal and their approvals for, uh, for the monsters. Cause that's very much their brand. Yeah, so. that's true. So Universal, they seemed like, I mean, if there's anything more heavily licensed than Turtles, it's like Universal. Like, everybody's doing Universal stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, NECA's I already doing they, a Universal Monsters line on their own, yeah, so. Like, I, I would guess, like, imagine if it's like Bella Lugosi Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bella Lugosi in Shredder armor. That'd be perfect. <laughs> I would love that. That's actually, yeah. Let's, you could probably just get the two figures and swap hands, right? Yeah. Uh, in personal toy news, Keith finally got his Savanti Romero figure. I got it just like an hour before this podcast. It's amazing. He was so was excited sitting, he put it in the show notes. It was sitting right on the shelf, right up front, right for me. A little That's spotlight awesome. on it. And I, how do you like it? I love it. It's so cool. It's I, great, there was a right? kid standing in front of it and I like yoinked it out of right in front of his face. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that was what he was he looking at, but I was bro. like, get the hell out of here, kid. Like <laughs> pulled it right out. I I think that's I if unless the flashback uh raf it really is that good as people are saying I think Savanti Romero might be my favorite of the NECA releases this year. I mean and there's some strong contenders like you have the Lawson 4 pack, you have Sinja. Uh, uh I don't have the Sinja so I'm not counting that one, but the like Oof. Zog is a great figure. Zog is fantastic. Um a lot of people love Archie Slash. Dang, um, what a jam-packed year this was! It's like, been a big year Zog for Nick like Turtles. Or no, my, my wallet understands exactly how it <laughs> <laughs> But I think I think for some reason Savanti Romero really, to me, and it sounds like to, for Keith, like that one really stands out. Yeah, um, I, like, I'm impressed how like sculpt and like yeah. the details on that is wild. I'm impressed like how much you can move his head without breaking his horns like i was really worried about that yeah i mean and the, the horns are soft plastic plus he's, yeah. he's got an opening closing mouth and you're like why not um so yeah i 100 percent think that is one of my favorites this year that is amazing i didn't know his mouth opened and closed yeah <laughs> and i have it changes everything you, saw what, I, you yeah. saw what i meant about like the fire like or the the power effect clipping onto yeah, the it, scepter really like cool. that's cool yeah. It's so, a really, really cool figure. The, it's it's, it's definitely ones. one of the best they've done this year. I do kind of um, wish this green flame would go on any other hand than his like left fist hand, but yeah, that's a minor yeah. detail. So. You can put it on the the loss in turtle hands though. Yeah. They're like Not exactly interesting. the same size. All right, uh, and then in the big news for tonight, uh, according to the season five trailer for Fortnite. Uh, I think it was a Fortnite chapter two. I don't know. They did their big update a couple of years ago. Uh, so season five trailer dropped and amongst other cool characters like solid snake appearing in Fortnite, there was some graffiti on the wall featuring four green ninja teens. Uh, no official announcement has been made uh, regarding them, but obviously it'll, those are the Ninja Turtles. Uh, just this morning, uh, apparently there was a data mine that produced a lot of actual images of the turtles in the game. So we got our first reveal of those, um, no date for when they are dropping. It's estimated based on the data, uh, the data mine that it's going to be from the 20th to the 25th. 
uh, we're recording this during the Game Awards, so if that changes, <laughs> if they made an announcement during the Game Awards, uh, then yeah. <laughs> but uh, as of now, or as of when we were recording, it was the 20th to the 25th. Uh, no word on if they're going to be uh, individually priced or as a bundle. Uh, but also April O'Neil is joining uh, Fortnite 2, uh, as well as Lego versions before the new Lego Fortnite uh, mode. So, so kind of the first official uh, Lego turtles in you know, almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, now, I, I don't know Fortnite. Are these character skins or are they new characters? So they're, they're, they're skins. character skins, but yeah. it's different than like the street fighter collab where that was a costume. Your character wore like these skins are more akin to, um, I want to say almost kind of like their their versions in Injustice. Like they the skins fit over like the Fortnite skeleton character, but typically they have a lot of unique stuff for those characters to make it feel more like uh, those characters. Like Goku from Dragon Ball was in Fortnite was added to Fortnite a couple of years ago, and it wasn't in the game before. But then once they added him, you could do a Kamehameha. And now, so and then and then that becomes like an emote that any character can do after that. Yeah, it looks, like skate, it looks like there's a skateboard for Mikey. Oh, that's cool. Which, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. And so we but, saw some of their uh, we saw some of their gear. So uh, Donatello, I think, had like we haven't seen all of it because not all of it has been officially revealed yet. But uh, Donatello, like you can swap between like headphones or no headphones on his head. He doesn't have goggles, uh, which a, a lot of people like already. Um, <laughs> Their uh their mining gear is their weapons. Uh which is gonna be really weird because like, you know, Fortnite is a shooter game. <laughs> so it's gonna be really wild seeing the turtles running around with uh, you know, guns. Maybe that's why they haven't been in there before now. I think that I mean, I think that was the real thing, is that like Nickelodeon just didn't want the turtles shooting each other. But I mean, Fortnite is so big that it's like, yeah. you know, you kind of have to be in Fortnite. Like it's it's basically super smash brothers for for licensed ip you can you can now you know narrowly escape solid snake as michelangelo right like you can have michelangelo narrowly escaping solid snake shooting peter griffith you know griffin in the head uh (laughs) what's funny is you can actually do a teenage mutant ninja turtles and daredevil crossover yeah yeah (laughs) you can have them stand together Peter Griffin uh, uh, is is now in there as Peter well. Peter Griffin is also in season five. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just there's Fighting just Goku, a ton you know? a ton of characters. Like if you haven't played Fortnite before, like it's wild. I mean, you know, and once these seasons end, you can't you can't get those characters again. So you know, we're in you know ten years of Fortnite. I don't know if I personally like having missed out on a bunch of stuff, but it's like knowing the turtles are coming is kind of cool and makes me want to at least check it out. Um, at least a little bit more so than the street fighter turtles collab did, which I have, I didn't buy anything from that. I just have like the nameplate that I got for free and I'm never going to change that. I mean, Fortnite skins at this point are like digital action figures, right? Like it's, yeah, 
it's pretty much what you're getting is like is like a digital action figure which you know, like i mean i'm a four i'm, a, I'm an overwatch player so it's like <laughs> that's where all of my money goes for those battle passes but it's like it is really cool that they're coming to fortnite and like yeah. their actual like skins they may have their own voice lines too we don't know uh but uh we posted the designs on our twitter and facebook um earlier today so you can go over there and check them out um, those were the data mined images. So like, again, no official announcement from Fortnite has been made about them as of now. But, uh, yeah. If you would have told uh, me like, I guess more than 10 years ago now, I mean, even just 10 years ago, uh, before Fortnite really did what it, it has done that like, oh yeah, you know, you could play as the Ninja Turtles or Daredevil or, or Goku or Cell, like whatever. <laughs> All in this not even just sell, like they're other. adding first form cell, yeah. which is weird. If you would have told me that ten years ago, I w- I wouldn't believe you. I don't think it's in- it's insane <laughs> how many IPs are all in this one game. And it's like not even that because like Eminem got added to it a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and you can have like an Eminem concert in the game. Uh, I forget what that mode was called. It's like uh Fortnite like experience or something. I don't know. I saw the name flash earlier. Um but it's like it's just wild. Like you said, like how many IPs are in this game and like how big it is. Like the a plot point to the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker was in Fortnite. Yeah, it was revealed in Fortnite. Yeah. Like it was revealed in Fortnite. And it's like you had to have been playing Fortnite at that exact moment to understand something that the movie said and granted, it, it it's not that big a deal like palpatine announced that he had returned in in that game which is funny because then it just meant that poe didn't play fortnite but <laughs> like it it's just it's just wild how big that game is and it's like it's really cool that the turtles are finally now being in it like i said this is kind of this is kind of like i want to say it's like a bigger version of flash or uh, smash brothers yeah in a you way, know? yeah. Like I mean, Smash Brothers has this prestige to it, but like Fortnite is something that's free to play and everybody plays it because it's got a billion people playing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the news for this week. Uh, Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to round off uh, the rest of these Ninja Turtles miniseries from the 2000s. We're going to be covering Leonardo's story, just called Tales of Leonardo Blind Sight. But. This one, like Bad Moon Rising, has a Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue that goes with it. So we will also be reading that. And that is, yeah, that is issue number five of Tales of the TMNT Volume 2, Blind Faith. Uh, so guys, yeah, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Uh, let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of the episode. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Also TikTok and Blue Sky. Uh, we added a... Uh, link tree uh link in our bios on our socials so if you want to follow us in all the places you can just click that link it's got a link to the latest episode of the podcast also a link to our discord uh so you can come hang out with us in there because we're going to start ramping that up next year uh so yeah check out uh that for more details all righty that's our show this week thank you again so much for listening and until next time cowabunga dudes cowabunga Ooh, kasha. <laughs> Took you a while. Hot soup.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was I was wrestling in my brain what I wanted to say, but I think <laughs> that's why you got to plan it out, man. I was trying to. <laughs> I thought I had enough time. <laughs> What's this game of the year? Ogre Battle '64. Everyone cheers. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> what? There's going to be a new tournament fighters game, Ninja. <laughs> that would actually be cool. You know, I'm surprised, and I I feel like you could talk about this endlessly, but like. The degree in which they aren't milking TMNT video games is kind of wild to me. Like, they do crossovers fairly regularly, all things considered. Mm-hmm. But you would think that they would, like, spam out, like, a new I think they're trying to. I think they're trying to figure, like, figure it out. Because, like, they, they were, there was, I mean, there's, like, four video games based on 2012. You know, yeah. I mean, and they were all, they were all super cheap, you know, tie-in games. And then there was the out of the shadows game, which was really bad. Like, but like a lot of people, a lot of people like the idea of it, but it's not a good game. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of years. then, so the 2014, 2016 movies didn't get video games. I don't think mm-hmm. I'd know. I, don't I think, think so. the Friday yeah, 2014 got games. a video game, right? Yeah, at least a mobile game. I know that. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing, because that was the big shift from like, you know, let's stop doing licensed games for consoles and just do them as mobile games. So that's started that shift. Then you had Mutants in Manhattan, which bombed, you know, and then that kind of scared everybody off of doing console Turtles games. Yeah, because especially like Mutants in Manhattan had like Platinum, who has a stellar track record for action games, but yeah, and they made a very boring game. Well, I mean, and that was the thing is like, you know, if they were going to make a cool game, it was a three, you know, video game deal with Activision. So they made the Transformers game, which was pretty good. Uh, the Legend of Korra game, which I, I like, but I mean, it's a $15 game. Yeah, you can and tell then, they just kind of like farmed those out basically as like movie time. Well, I mean, it was part of it was a it was a crunch thing uh, from what Tom Walton told us that, you know, it was supposed to be a bigger game. And then uh, it was Activision or Nick decided that the game had to come out with out of the shadows. Even though it had nothing to do with it, it just had to be the game that launches with that movie. And so that they had to crunch for it, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a shame. Cause yeah, the artwork is stellar. The story, not bad. Like they had, they had like all the right teams on it. It's just, the the weird ball to drop is they they dropped the video game part of it, which is like, yeah, come on, yeah, and I don't know, it's it's this thing where you have the issue of like the the big turtles games that you would want to like try and capitalize on mm-hmm. is you know like that that were popular were old beat 'em ups, but beat 'em ups are now out of style, and so like you can't have success with things like Shredder's Revenge but it's still going to be like niche only people who are kind of fans of turtles 
pick it up kind of thing. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I guess there was enough there for yeah. them to make a DLC. I think too, like for Nick, it's like, okay, we don't have to invest an entire game. We can just, you know, rake in cash with existing games, just put some skins in it. Yeah. yeah. Turtles work and everything. So it's, it's easy money for Nick. Yeah, Fair exactly. Exactly. Low, low and, and, and if they know that the fans are going to buy it anyway, then I mean, where's the effort? That's why like the last Ronin being a video game is pretty exciting. Well, yeah, because we can like, get like a modern style game with hopefully but, something that's going on that's currently popular in it and good gameplay. You know, the potential is there. Yeah. It's very scary because it's like this could be the thing that screwed that they screw up immensely. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it, even even though it's kind of a no name developer and. You yeah. Know, Nickelodeon still, but and th- I mean that's the other thing with like ter- you know with them milking like the video games is that like tournament fighters is pretty relatively unknown. Like even amongst Ninja Turtles fans, the amount of people who go like, "Oh yeah, I love turtle tournament fighters," is well, that's because even... that game is just too hard. Yeah, I was so playing janky. it. Like it has like I don't know how many difficulty settings it has. I put it all the way to the bottom, and it's still like demolishing me and so i have to play like extremely cheap and it's like okay like this i don't know who played this game <laughs> and like had any kind of competency with it but it was not for the filthy casual <laughs> it's, i mean it's I yeah, I it's not sega it's not gonna be an evo like, the, the sega version is just like pathetically hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no way that no, computer shoots like hell yeah yeah and and i mean that's the thing is like nick is so Nick would rather have the turtles be in crossover fighting games than kind of give them their own again, mm-hmm. which like, I mean, the turtles can support it, but I just, I mean, the the big struggle that's there is you have to a, you know, like 2d fighters kind of have their own audience and their own kind of niche audience. Now, like they're not incredibly popular. Yeah. So you have to do that with a fighter plus Ninja Turtles, which is also kind of on the niche side and doesn't quite, it seems like does not quite sell as well for video games. And, you know, except unless you key into nostalgia, like Shredder's Revenge does. Yeah. And, you know, even then I, it's a success probably for an indie game, but as far as like sprawling, like triple a kind of success, I, I don't know if it experienced it or not. I mean, um, I mean, there's still a market for 2d fighters. I mean, you know, there Guilty, is. Guilty Gear is a very big franchise. Um, uh, yeah, like, like that is, and so is Mortal Kombat and things like that. But you know, Dragon Ball Fighter, Fighter Z. But like, there's lots of crossover there between like people who are into fighting games and people who are into Dragon Ball. You know, I don't know. I just I feel like you'd have to see that with Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah. Anyway, it, it. I don't know. I do feel I could see how they'd see there's a risk. Granted, it's it's still the thing I want more than anything in the world. Yeah, no, I would love, I would love, you know, I mean, to be honest, I would love a dungeon crawler for the four turtles, like Marvel, like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance or X Men Legends, like something they put on iPhone Arcade. Uh, I mean, apparently that Sonic game that they just dropped on Apple Arcade is people are saying it's one of the best Sonic games in years. Like, well, 3D. I mean, 
that's like a low bar. <laughs> that's like, I mean, wait, yeah, but, what are we but it's like with a good Sonic. But it's game? but it's like <laughs> but it's like mean? to do to do that yeah, what, on to do that on iPhone. To do that on iPhone, that's that's what's really what's really incredible for a lot of people. So I yeah, yeah, I mean the weird thing is like you like of course like iPhone has like an incredible market share, so like it's worth it for like Apple to money hat that. And so, but it's also like it's just so weird that they keep doing games like that with like very little like fanfare. They almost like don't really announce them or talk about them. Like I was telling because I have a a friend who has been loving that Sonic game, mm. um, and I was like, yeah, like they, there's a TMNT game that's also exclusive, and he he had never heard of it, and, but he had, he like as he's playing on like which Apple is Arcade. which is funny because it's like it's very it, it's like on the forefront of the apple arcade store like it was there for a couple of weeks as like the number one downloaded game oh my god they just announced back to the future nendoroids holy shit <laughs> what do you have like a nendoroid page open at all times no no paternia paternia <laughs> i have paternia on notifications on twitter yeah i i um yeah, I mean sometimes I do that. Yeah, I I have him and him and Wario sixty four on notifications. Wario sixty four is a good one because it's just X well, yes. now, not Twitter. No, it's always going to be Twitter. <laughs> it's even even Elon Musk still X, formerly known as Twitter, is the yeah. Exact <laughs> if you're in a professional yeah. setting, that's what that is. Yeah, um, there was I was I was seeing some interview with him and somebody was calling like they were like referred to it as a tweet and he's like say a post say it's a post and it's like good god. <laughs> I think you've tossed away the world's <laughs> best branding. Uh, ah, Fallout, baby. All right, should, Fallout. Should we get uh, going on the episode then? No, nah, in a while. All right, fair enough. So, <laughs> another question then: what What is something in Ninja Turtles like? Uh, I don't know, like like with with designs when you see them when you see designs that you can be like I don't know that that you're just like a little bit anal about like like something that like common I don't know that may show up in designs but when you see it you're just like "Mm, I don't know man you know do you want to have this part do you want to have do you want to or do you just want this to be bonnet It'll just be bonus content. I, I don't need to okay. crap on the Fortnite designs. No, just I, talk about news. it there. Oh shit! They got, a, they got a full power armor set from Fallout on stage. It's huge for the. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'll be honest. The braces do still New really fall out. Uh, uh, braces, but I'm, but for me, I'm trying to think. The initials on the belt buckle bug me so much. The only thing that bugs me is turtles in just regular clothes yeah. all the time. The, the I'm over. I'm over. Uh, yeah, the initials uh, on the belt buckle me, to me is. It's it, for me. It's when they're all palette swaps of each other. I think. I think. I think we've hmm. gotten past having all four of them be the same size. They can look similar, but I think I think we're past it. I think yeah, it's, I, like I think variation. it's visual. That's why I like. I think it's visually boring. Like, and that's not saying that to like me the best generic team in T was 2012. 
I mean, 2012 really keyed on something because they've really used that same like cutout for each version since then. Yeah, like the raft being bigger. Each one of those unique silhouette. Yeah, like each one of them had a unique silhouette in in that one. Like, I'm more talking about like, yeah, like 87 and 2003. Like, I just I don't care for those. Like, I, I they just that looks as vanilla as you can get with the turtles designs. Yeah, though I do like the, I like the 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 2003 hits the the chonkiness requirement that I have, so mm. I, I I like yeah. that design. Yeah, but the same that is a plus. Like the more the more you think of the sameness, it's kind of like uh, I love that Dooney chonkiness. You know, just just the, I do just too. Chonky. Like I like chonky the Dooney the Dooney chunkiness. Like I you know I was read I mean reading reading this comic and you know kind of having going back to Mirage and that Jim Lawson style and then also like having the Mirage figures here on my desk, like, you know, these are, these are probably some of my favorite figures of the year. Yeah. You know, even though they uh, all have the same silhouette and they're they're Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all four of them are the exact same figure. That is funny. Like, Cause yeah, that's like the most egregious version of that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but it, they're all exactly the same. <laughs> but I mean like that, like this one obviously gets a pass because obviously, because you know they're they're based on the original but even then like i've done my what i could to kind of change them up like i mean the only thing i did was i put the bandaged arm on raf just to make him different yeah my only problem with that set if if they would have done added some unique accessories for all of them or whatnot yeah but i mean it's it's hard not to drive the costs up all the time yeah, but it's that, just it's just weird because like there's not awesome. a ton of unique accessories for each turtle that like because they already gave the gravity gauntlet to Fugitoid. Yeah, so or they like should you have could, done just like a, a unique head sculpt for each turtle, so you could like swap it. Well, they already do have that. Each well, one like has I mean, own. unique more than like oh, Mikey's the grinning one. Wait, and even in their own marketing, like they have it as Raph. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the yeah. real one always i mean and that's the thing is like you could swap between any of the heads you know if you were just doing like a photo shoot like it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah i mean it would just be cool like say like they did like a the extra head for raf has like the full bandana or you know like maybe like do like it would have been fun to just do like something like a dash of modern maybe yeah well um i don't don't like when they're so covered in shit that you can't see them i think like i know the nostrils is and the the mouth get a bad rap for the Michael Bay versions, but like that where they're just like coated in crap, like that. Yeah, like I'm like yeah. At the same time though, like it's strange because like it's all like sewer trash, so it's like it's fitting crap, but it's also like yeah, you're well, wearing it's like, too much you know, crap. <laughs> for a while it was like don't judge a book by its cover, and now it's like well just put everything on the cover and that way you know exactly who they are. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like that seems to be the way it's going. <laughs> I it's think a it's walking thumbnail. Yeah, I think another yeah, thing I don't like is a uh, is a uh, like tactical armor, kind of kind of like what they're wearing in the Fortnite designs. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it makes more sense the bamboo armor that Leonardo. Had, no, no, no. But, that I mean but, that yeah. does. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's it it like I like the uh, the injustice designs. I don't care for them. I don't really? think they're that great. Oh, I love them. I, think I know awesome. you do. And 
and I'm not I'm not saying they're terrible aesthetically I don't like to me like the best parts of it is like the other bits they have I just think like the turtles themselves and injustice are kind of I think it's generic I don't don't like when the turtles have people proportions either like I like them shorter I like them chunkier yeah they got to be like four foot four foot five tops which which is which is weird for me to say because like i love the rise designs but like the rise designs like hit in that anime way yeah whereas like a chunkier design wouldn't work so much and they're like different i like different i don't know i like them close to five foot you know like just like maybe a little over five foot like i was talking to five foot but they can't be over five foot short i was talking i was talking to a turtles account on twitter and we were talking about like the Dan Mora designs from Power Rangers um, Turtles because mm-hmm. Dan Mora did the covers for the first one and then he did the art for the inside on two. Mm-hmm. But I was saying I like the Simone de Mayo ones a little bit better because they're shorter and chunkier. Whereas like Dan yeah, like, Mora draws them as like normal people size. If there's a human like I don't know how tall Casey jones is but i imagine casey jones is like six feet tall right the like turtles can't come any higher than his five ten he's a short king yeah no the turtles do need to sit at, at casey's shoulder no uh, no guy is five ten you're either you're five nine or you're six foot there's no in between <laughs> <laughs> i'm, yeah, I'm five, five ten you gotta lie and say you're six foot no, I'm, I just I'm five ten. I'm five ten. It's on my physical. it's on my driver's license. I just had a physical, and I'm five eleven and three quarters. I'm like, come on, body. You Ooh, you're the worst. Because if, if you tell people that, they think you're lying. They're just like, I know oh, you're, exactly. You're insecure. <laughs> yeah. Almost, almost there. You just need to go into space so your spine stretches out. Right there we go. But yeah, for me, the the belt buckles bug me because like it just screams like I'm an action figure too much. I don't know, like, like why yeah. why on earth would they themselves as characters run around with their initials on their belt buckle? Like it's, it's it, not no, cool. exa- exactly. It's, it's not, not like it's, it's not it's cool. the version of that that I really like is the Batman versus Ninja Turtle one where it's like yeah, yeah, it's that's not that's so right. impossibly obvious. Yeah. Also, yeah, the like, new it's, Super it's, Seven, the the Leo has an L in a, like a fun way that like yeah, holds the belt yeah. together. Yeah, like that's yeah. that that's really the best way to do those designs. Is just kind of just kind of incorporate it into the belt in like a fun way. I don't yeah, like no. that Leo's is like painted blue, but <laughs> but I like, like the it's letters because it 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 gives a little bit of like that jackass teenager vibe. Like how like, even even a teenager isn't like cool? no they wouldn't no like when you're I mean teenager, I've been on like, TikTok. I'm gonna put my. I, I'm, I'm going to put TikTok. my initials on my belt buckle. <laughs> I mean, that's Jesus that's Christ. true. Like, out of all like of us. Writing on your, your, it's like writing on your Trapper Keeper, right? You, out of all of us, only right. only Cody is the TikTok sensation, so he would know the best out of all of us. Fair, fair enough, I guess. He's, he's I don't know about sensation. I just like, you see you see the kids on TikTok. And they, I mean, you do, you do a live every day. I mean, how are you not a sensation? Not every day. I'm, I tr- I, ideally, but doing lives is hard. Like, Props to people who do stuff like that regularly. Like that is, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I would also say the braces bug me, and and here's the other reason why I realized the braces bug me. Mute mayhem, right? Is <laughs> because like they they went to through the trouble to be like, how are the turtles going to get money? Like right, like how are they going to get money? So we're going to have them them steal, which is fine. Like that makes sense. But but they you know they're going to like ask that question, but then they're not going to ask the question of how does Mikey get braces. Like, 
I don't know. For for me, it's like if you're gonna make resources scarce and hard for them to get, you gotta make resources scarce and hard for them to get. Like follow the rules that you're setting for your world and your characters. Yeah, like that's fair. I don't know. Like just giving a I mean, like, it's, it's like I don't know. It just just bugs me. <laughs> It, like uh, it, I, I, I get why it doesn't it doesn't bother me because I'm just because I'm like me. they're mutant turtles so I don't care, which is a which is a bit of a hand wave but it's like the movie also kind of expects you to just hand wave it like when Splinter when Splinter gives his speech about like it makes sense when you think about it like he's making fun of you like, a little bit but but at the same time it's like okay yeah an older rat turns into an older mutated <laughs> rat you know what why not why wouldn't it uh. But then when you're just like, like, it's like, okay, the ooze mutates people. And here, here are the rules for the ooze. But like the rules for their world also say resources are scarce, but Michelangelo has somehow managed to have braces installed on his face, like in, in his mouth. Like it's, it, mm. it's just it's too much for me. Like, it's like, follow the rules that you set, you know, and the rules. No, I, I gotcha. Where they get the adhesive for it is what I want to know. It's just like kept on there with bubble gum or something. Well, because like yeah, because like Donatello's not the tech genius in this one. Like he's nerdy, but he's not the tech genius. So, which I Uh, kind of I don't know prefer to an extent. I mean, I just I just assume Mikey has a dentist friend at some point in his adventures. Yeah, they ran into a dentist, and he was like, like, and that would be a fun episode for like the show if they like do the backstory of that. (laughs) Because like, the, the turtles are always out and about, they're robbing bodegas or whatever. But like, they run into a dentist and they're expecting the dentist to like freak out or whatnot. And he's like, mm. "Oh, here's, here's the freak out." The dentist is like, "Oh my god, those your teeth! teeth are, your teeth yeah, are horrible." Exactly. Yeah, like I just want to see like a shot of oh Mikey three braces where he has just your like teeth all are these horrible. like like teeth going every which way, and the dentist yeah. is like, "That's like why that episode horrified. of The Simpsons." Yeah, this releasing these yeah, braces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, the, the dentist is the villain. British dentistry. The the, 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 the dentist exactly right, right? But he's like he's like Steve Martin's character in Little Shop of Horrors, right? <laughs> and, and he he now gets to like you know inflict pain upon a uh, something different than just a normal human, and so then he you know mm. gets the braces on Mikey's face. The turtles get him out of there, and then uh, he's just like, "What do I do about these?" And they're like, "I guess you're stuck with them," and he <laughs> has braces forever. But also that would kind of ruin the whole like them not having had contact with humans before in the movie. Uh, you know, so once again, you're creating continuity errors anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably get recording now. Yeah. Simu yeah. Lu just came out on stage. I was like, maybe he could be Ronan Mikey. It's but. weird. Why are they like he has like a cast on and he's walking? It's just which is fine, yeah. but it's also like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Let's start the show. <clears throat>